Hi, I'm Tommy. And I'm Ryan. And welcome to Joni Jams. The only podcast going album by album through Joni Mitchell's entire discography. Today we are reviewing Ladies of the Canyon, Joni's 1970 album. Yes! (laughs) I start every episode like that. Every episode I'm always just like, (laughs) yes! Well, actually, no, last time I didn't do that. That's true, but this is a good one to be yachting about because mm-hmm. I would ask you, do you think this is Joni's most influential album today? Like, I know we, influential doesn't mean best, right? Yeah. Do you think it's influential? Do I think that this album's influ- influential? Do you think it's her most influential? No, I think Blue is her most influential. Really? I think that this album is probably like second most influential, but I think that Blue probably is her most um like people I think still credit that today I've never heard many people say that ladies of the canyon is like their inspo well Lana I guess has talked yeah I feel like for some reason outside of Lana I can't I can't remember who else has mentioned her lately but I feel like I've seen so many references to ladies of the canyon um Annie Lennox oh If, if you know does anyone know her um not to call her out like that but you know (laughs) it is what it is um so yeah ladies of the canyon you guys have no idea this is the like I'm so excited because this is the first Joni album I ever Mm -hmm. listened to and like I think that I credit this album as like kind of like some sort of like poetic awakening for me I don't know I just think this album like changed changed my life for a little bit I don't know yeah I mean this is not the first Joni album I listened to but I think music in general has really impacted my life, but re-listening to it just to talk about it with you. Yeah. A lot of songs. I I don't go back to Ladies of the Canyon as much as, you know, Blue, For the Roses, Hajira, mm. Night Ride Home, but I am obsessed with it right now. And I think it's one of her best. Like I always will put Ladies of the Canyon like around 10 in the ranking, but I don't know about that anymore. Around 10? Yeah, I put it around 10. Girl. Mine's always at, I always have Ladies of the Canyon at number two, but. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? it's so sentimental for you. I mean, maybe I'll change. Maybe it'll change by the end, but I think, I don't know. I, I, I love this album so much. It's so like, I want to like give this album a hug. Does that make sense? Like it's so yeah, it's warm. so warm and cozy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh God, I can imagine it playing in a coffee shop or something. Oh, well, it always does. All these yeah. songs are always like, how, how many times have I been in a Starbucks and I've heard like Big Yellow Taxi playing and I'm just like, what is going on? Really? I've never heard a Joni Mitchell song like anywhere. In what? Public. Maybe River Around Christmas or something, but that's it. I, I feel like I hear them all the time. I don't know. Maybe maybe I am like gaslighting myself into thinking I'm hearing them. <laughs> I'm like, no, I am. <laughs> They're here. Ohio. Yeah, in Ohio, they were playing Joni all the time. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I love this album so much. Um, so this album is fully, I mean, I guess it's probably the most influential part of this album is that it is referring, the title is referring to Laurel Canyon, which is where Joni kind of, decided to settle down in you know I guess she's still there though I think she still has a house there she does she's never she's never sold it I don't know if she lives there full-time still but I know she has property in British Columbia too I have no idea where she lives but it would make sense that it's California I think it's no I think she lives in Bel Air but I think she still owns this house yeah she doesn't live in it I think I read an article about that a few months ago yeah powerhouse i don't know if you listened to that that song by crosby stills nash and young and it's about 
him and Joni Mitchell living together. It's really cute. Alana references it in Venice, bitch. Does she? Yeah. Wait, when? Uh, something about the song starts with like, you like the fire and I'll place the flowers in a vase. And she's, she doesn't start Venice, bitch. I don't, I don't, I need to look up the lyrics, but she says something about lighting a fire in the backyard. And he says something about the same thing. And then she mentions Crosby, Stills, and Nash on Bartender. So. Well, she mentions Joni in um, Chemtrails. She does. Oh, my God. Over and Joni and I'm dancing. Well, see, interesting segue for that, because that Chemtrails is the reason that I listened to this album That's and the reason that I suddenly became a Joni Mitchell, whatever we're calling ourselves, Joni Mitchell freaks. I don't know. Joniators? Joniators, the coyotes. <laughs> the coyotes? Yeah. <laughs> I saw someone call violence the other day and i was like girl what the what i don't someone was calling us a, was, was calling joni fans joni files like referring to themselves as that like tori amos fans no they call themselves is... tori files and i'm mm. just like girl we're not pedophiles there's well, no so... <laughs> someone tried to call us um who was that that tried to call us the refugees someone did that someone was like oh no we're gonna name the fandom like the refugees like because to refuge of the road and i was like Mm-mm, no oh no, we are not naming those. <laughs> I was like, guys, come on. Borderline offensive. It's high, high line offensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, Laurel Canyon. Yeah. Very important, beautiful place. I looked up pictures of it. It's pretty, pretty scenic. Very gorgeous, especially in the 1970s. Yeah. There's so much beautiful there too. It's I think, the hippie- yeah, I think it was just like a, like a, for me, it feels like it was like a creative epicenter of like all these like really like hippie type of people like all coming together as one in this like almost like utopian, at least it's described as utopian sort of vibe. Yeah, you should watch the documentary about Laurel Canyon. They have it on Amazon Prime and I believe it's free. They mentioned they go through all the people that were living there at the time. They mentioned like they they mentioned Joni and they mentioned a few other of her peers like Crosby, Stills and Nash. Mama What's Dad. it called? I think it's just called Laurel Canyon, but it's on Amazon Prime and it's like a six episode thing. I only watched the episode they mentioned Jonian though. Oh, of course. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> um, I, I'll have to do that. I'm currently watching a movie on Amazon Prime called The Last Temptation of Christ. Side note. Oh, he's Christian. He's a gay well, Christian. You know what? I find Jesus very interesting. And if you, do you know the Joni song, Jesus. She has a song called Jesus. It's on the archives. Oh, that's right. Yeah. If you ask me about a song from the archives. Really, really good. It's really good. (laughs) It's it's a good song. Um, Anyways, um, also in this album, Joni finally, finally, thank the Lord, starts playing piano for all of her songs. Well, most of the songs. That might be the most like important thing she did in her music was add the piano i think that was the most important element she ever added like you can oh, take yeah. i feel like you can even take out jocko and the the people behind her on court and spark and still just the songwriting is enough mm-hmm. even piano is just enough you know her piano is brilliant she plays in a way that's both classical yet um also very free free-flowing like she doesn't uh I don't know. I've tried to mimic her style while playing piano. Um, it's hard, but it's very interesting. It's very dynamic. And um, it's harder than it sounds. 
Oh, definitely. I don't know much about piano, but was Joni using alternative tunings with that too? You can't alternatively tune a piano. Oh, right. It's all in one. Because if to tune a piano, you have to get like a someone to come in and like manually like twist it. It kind of sucks. I bet you if you could tune piano, like alternatively tune them. I mean, I'm sure you could, but it would be like really hard to figure out. I don't know. Yeah. Because um, like I know pianos after like if they just sit idle for like I don't know 50 years when you go to play it all like the tuning will like have shifted and the notes sound weird that's yeah I'm so sorry my knowledge on music oh my gosh that's okay you don't have to know music things I I only know them because I'm like a freak I don't know can you play them yeah I don't know passes the time (laughs) Joni Jr. Joni Jr. Yeah, that's me. That's me, you guys. No, she always says, don't start a school with me. I am not a teacher. She does say that. But she was like, wait, what? Kind of mother for that. Yeah. Well, she was like, Paul Simon tried to take my free flowing (laughs) writing. And that's when I had to cancel it. I said, whoa, whoa is the imitator. Why do I know that so well? (laughs) Oh my gosh. The amount of time she's in, like, how do I say the word? The amount of times she's mentioned or referenced Paul Simon plagiarizing her or copying her. There's so many interviews where she said that. Wait, really? Um, yes. There's at least three or four interviews <laughs> listened to where she talks shit about Paul Simon, like stealing her stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, what does Paul Simon, what did Paul Simon do to her? Oh my God. <laughs> she is such a bitch. In the best way possible. No, I, like I like amazing. We love her, but like, oh my god, like leave him alone. Poor Paul. Leave Paul Simon alone. Is he alive? I think so. Didn't he sell his catalog like a year and a half ago? And then everyone was like, he'll always be a musical footnote to Bob Dylan. A musical footnote to Bob Dylan. First off, don't talk Bob- about Bob Dylan. <laughs> I actually have a teacher who's obsessed with him. Really, this semester. And I keep fighting with her. Well, not really. I'm just like, you know, Bob Dylan's fine, but he ain't no Joni Mitchell. And he has bad rap. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Actually, today I said I we were. She was telling me to watch this do, the um a documentary about him, and I was telling her I watched the Rolling Thunder documentary. You know, like that one. And um, I was like, Bob Dylan in that like white makeup on his face where he kind of looked like a clown. I was like, I don't know why, but I thought he was kind of attractive in that. And she was like, ooh, no. <laughs> she was like, Mm-mm. Oh my gosh, I am intrigued to find the men you, you deem attractive. Well, I don't know. It's very odd. Well, see, isn't it weird? Because the other day I was like, Larry Klein is not horrible. <gasps> oh my God, you did say that. And I was always wondering with Joni's, I don't know. I've always had reservations about Joni's taste because she could have done better. Could she? Better than Larry? I feel like she could have. I think Graham Nash was cuter. No. Kinda. I no. think I think John Guerin was cute, but he's abusive and like a bad person. So we don't do that. We don't do no John Guerin in this house. No. In our house. Oh my God. Yes. The Joni. Oh, it's not a Joni song. It's about Joni though. Her okay, image. speaking of Joni songs that are not by her, but she's in, can we talk about how great the song Dita is? <laughs> Aren't they just saying Dita for like four minutes? Yes, but I literally have, will like listen to it like three times in a row and get like a complete serotonin rush from it. It's so fun. 
she's gonna did you ever see Joni Mitchell saying that she, her and Joan Baez and Laura Nero all kind of had like tension between each other and she said Joan Baez would have pushed her off the stage at one point or something oh <laughs> my god well I know Joan Baez said something about Joni Mitchell allegedly like each other well no she she alleged something about Joni Mitchell Oh, I know it. I know exactly what you're saying. Oh, with a specific word. We're not going to bring it up right now. I don't think that that's true. I don't think that that happened. The thing is, I feel like Joan. Okay, I don't know much about Joan Bias, but the interviews I've heard of her, the stuff I've read about her, I just think she's. I mean, Joni's pretentious too, but I find Joan Bias so pretentious. And like, is she? She wasn't even writing her own music. Like, how are you going to be mean to other people? <laughs> I mean, care if you write your own music or not that much, but like. I care. I mean, I do too a little bit. It makes me like an artist more, respect them more if they write their own stuff, but I don't know. She was just um, a vocal. She was yeah. tired. I'm not going to go rant about Joan Baez. I've done that before. I'm sorry. Uh, have you? Have you been canceled for that? <laughs> I haven't been canceled for it. Most people agree with me on Twitter that they don't like her. Okay, well, apparently on Twitter, what, what was I tweeting about the other day that people got all upset about? I don't remember what it was. Something to do with some singer. And I was, people were mad. I don't remember what it was. Is it Lana? It probably was something about Lana. I don't know, guys. I have a lot. I've been amping. I'm really hyped about this album coming out. If at the time of this listening. <laughs> oh, it comes out in two days. It comes out tomorrow night, basically. Yeah, basically. I'm going to Target tonight to see if they have the the vinyl early. Let's, Ooh, let's yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm probably going to, if they, if they don't sell it to me, I'm just going to steal it or something. You could always go Friday in the morning. No, we don't encourage shoplifting. Oh, do we not? No, <laughs> I'm trying to be a positive influence to the public. The public? To the public. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, Ladies of the Canyon, sorry about that. Side note. <laughs> Side note, yeah. So this is, I feel like, I feel like Clouds is Joni's introduction to the mainstream, but this is really where she gets her, her feet wet. Yeah, she should have gotten an, a Grammy for this album. I'm, did she not? No. That that picture of her holding the like the Grammy, the singular Grammy from the 1970s. What album is that from? Is that from Blue then? I think that's from Court and Spark. Oh, you're probably right because Court and Spark won a bunch of Grammys. I think it was from Court and Spark. I'm not a, or maybe that one was from Clouds. That might have been from Clouds. Yeah, it might have been from Clouds, but because if it was 1970, that would have been the year that Clouds would have been. Because Clouds came out in 69, so it would have probably oh, yeah, been that next year. Yeah. I love that picture. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, her in that, like, it's, is it like a velvet dress? It's red? It's velvet. I think it's velvet. She, I love, I, I don't know, guys. Joni Mitchell's style in the 70s, I just love. I think it was so fun, like, and so sophisticated. She did dress very sophisticatedly, like, and, like, she knew... I've heard her talk about like designers and stuff. Like she knew her, her fashion in a way that I don't think a lot of other people knew. I don't know. No, I like how she has her own vibe too. I feel like you look at a lot of singers now and they all wear similar stuff, but there's all a, a very similar clone type of style. And she was never like that. No, no. She always just dressed weird, except there's one exception to her dressing. Well, if you watch, if anyone here out, out here has the time to watch the Refuge of the Roads tour record, she wears the ugliest dress I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Does she? Is that the it, Refuge of the Roads tour? It's a like black and white, like, 
I don't know how to describe it, like a big floof pullover. I don't know, but it's really bad. And it, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, that dress. I can't believe that's your least favorite. My least favorite thing she ever wore in the, I don't know if it was the 70s or the early 80s. Maybe it was the Shadows and Light Tour, but she's in some turquoise pants and a purple shirt and she's playing a guitar. And I'm just like, girl. Me, I love that outfit because it's so wrong, but so right. I kind of <laughs> love it. Yeah. It's, she's giving Morning Morgantown in that outfit. She kind of is. I mean, I, well, she also is like trademarked the beret. Basically, that's her. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know any, like every time she's on a red carpet now, well, that's holding her wig. Oh, is it a wig? I don't know. That has, to be, that has to be her long natural hair. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to send you a picture later where I'm going to show you and you're going to be like, that's a wig. No, Joni doesn't wear wigs. You you don't know that. You don't know that as a fact. You can wear Joni wig and then be Joni. Do you get that? Do you know what, what that is? The Nicki Minaj song where like, I think it's Chun Li, but or maybe no, maybe it's Barbie Dreams. But she's it was when the whole Cardi B thing happened, and she was like, you can't wear a Nicki wig and then be Nicki. Whenever someone mentions a wig, I think of that. I'm Are sorry. You a Barb. No. Okay, that was scary. Not any, not much. I mean, I don't really listen to her anymore. But I left her when I was like eleven. Oh, <laughs> oh, shade. That was shade. Was um, <laughs> um, <laughs> should we talk about the artwork of this album? Yeah, I love it. She Beautiful. painted. Did she sketch it? She um, it maybe painted the. I think it's a line drawing with pen, and then. Yeah, I think she painted the inside. It's either paint or marker. She's She uses both at this time period. I think it's really cute. And I love how colorful it is. I mean, it's not that colorful. It's only like one quadrant of that whole album that's really colorful. But it's so cute. And I love it on vinyl. I love oh, displaying. it's gorgeous. And I like that they don't have like a title with it. I like that it's just the, the like figure kind of like, I don't know. It's so perfect for this album. Do you know what else I love? I love that the thing on her face, like there's like a line going down the middle of her face on it, right? Well, she's doing a like, it's kind of like a blind portrait style where like, it's basically like when you close your eye and like you like draw without looking at the paper and you just draw one continuous line. It's kind of like that, I think, is like what she's like kind of going for with the figure. I don't know. I, I, I love it. I think that it is like, simple but i think it captures this album like perfect yeah yeah it definitely does i feel like the neighborhood or i don't know if it's a neighborhood that is drawn on it it's the canyon right it's a real like i've I, like i saw some interview with some girl she was like no i own the house that's in the in the yeah. picture like it's real like, a portrait say, like it is very much giving the title track in the song mm-hmm yeah very mm -hmm. much i i don't know i love it i think that this is one of my favorite covers of hers Really? Mm -hmm. I think it's mine too. I'll say that. I'll say that too. I'm currently wearing a shirt with the on. No one can see it, but it has the little little image on it. It's really cute. You love Joni. Except it's yellow and I don't like the color yellow. It makes me look pale. It looks beige from here. It, oh, it, no. I wish it was like white because then I could wear it with like white Converse. Oh, that'd be cute. Yeah. So now instead I have to wear my white Converse that are like 300 years old, but they're now yellow. Wait. They're now yellow. Oh, they so match, though. Wait. They do, but, <laughs> but you know, it's whatever. Okay. We have so much to talk about, you guys. Let's just get right into the songs. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, let's start with Morning Morgantown, I guess. Yes. Um, this is so such a peaceful, cute song. It reminds me of early spring, like when the mornings start getting hot at first and you're just mm. walking around town or like campus. It's really cute. And I think it's one of her most underrated album openers. I mean, I feel like I said that about the past three, but I don't know. I think this one really doesn't get the, the respect it deserves because it's just so cute and endearing. And I love the lyrics of it. It's It's so comforting. I, I love this opener. I agree it's underrated. I don't think people ever mention the song ever. I never see people mention the song, but I think it's beautiful. So, okay, allegedly it's about Morgantown, West Virginia, but I was looking at pictures of Morgantown, West Virginia and whatever town, I don't, I think she was seeing something different. I don't know. But then <laughs> she says, morning, any town you name. And so I'm thinking like, maybe she's saying, you know, she's picking any town she names. Like maybe she was traveling through Morgantown, but she didn't specifically just want to reference that. I don't know. I I can never imagine someone writing like a love letter to West Virginia. So what? There is a love letter song to West Virginia. Really? Country road. That's about West Virginia? West Virginia. Oh, girl. Mountain Rada, take I'm not listening to any songs about West Virginia anytime soon. Oh, <laughs> Okay, Shade. We just lost our whole West Virginian audience. Great. We lost our whole West Virginian audience. Oh, <laughs> I'm joking in West Virginia. I'm actually from West Virginia. Are you? I just wanted to buy. Okay, come on. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I think this is just, I love the lyrics of this song so much, especially that sentiment towards the end where she says, I'd like to buy you everything. But the only thing I have to give to make you smile to win you with are all the mornings still to live. That is mm-hmm. that is the most endearing thing, most genuine, beautiful thing anyone could ever say to me. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I love it's so I can't explain it, you guys, but the writing on this album is so much more like, I don't know, it feels so much happier and light versus clouds, which was like. Oh, yeah. Oh, like Clouds was like, oh, my God, this is a weight. Like, I, I, this is dreadful. This was like, I didn't want it to end. I was loving it. I know. This feels like such a, like, an optimistic, op- like, opening track to an album. I can just picture sitting this, like, sitting, listening to this in nature with birds chirping or, like, under a cherry blossom tree. It's so cute. What, a you cherry, a cherry yeah. blossom tree? That, that's so specific. I don't know. It's just so spring-like. I used to drive during the summertime. I used to like drive to get like Starbucks, like in the morning, like really early to this song. And it was just, it's such a pretty vibe. Like this song just like, it romanticizes the world around you. I saw an article that said that this album makes everyday observations like have like meaning, like a deeper meaning than what we think. And I totally agree. Oh my God, that's so smart. Cause it's literally, that's literally so true. And I would have never been able to put that into words either. Yeah, like, like it, it takes these like such simple things, like just a morning of people getting ready for work and ready for life. And it makes it into this like beautiful, I don't know, like a beautiful scene that makes you like really think about like the world. And I don't know, I, I just love this song so much. I love that Joni can do that with like any topic is spin it so it makes you think. She's so philosophical in that way. Yeah, even like kicking her maid in the shin, like, Perfect. So poetic. (laughs) (laughs) 
Allegedly. I don't want to get sued. Well, because Elvis gave them cars, she thinks she's cheap. You think, wait, what does she say? Uh, we them cars. No, the beginning part where she's like, you think I oh. should buy you a car? Why? Because Elvis did? No. And she like does a little laugh. She's like, oh no, come on. <laughs> we love that. I love her voice work. We talked about that last time. I love her voice work. Oh my God. I also, we'll get into this, but that song is, that song is, although it's mean it's a little playful too with like the little laugh at the beginning and this album is really playful i love that about joni's early albums oh yeah you're also lighthearted. i mean even the ones like clouds and song to a seagull they still feel innocent and they still feel like she's having fun on that yeah blues blue is when i think you realize she is like she's realizing that like i don't know i think she like gets in touch with her emotions and suddenly like it's not innocent. Like the innocence is kind of fading out. Yeah, that's interesting. I I was thinking about that too just now. And I think blue is probably where everything starts going like to disillusionment completely. Yeah. Do you know what a really playful Joni song is that I feel like people don't ever talk about, but I love is um, Talk To Me. (gasps) You like that one? I love that song. That took that was the hardest Joni Mitchell song I think for me to get into at first because it's it's so talky but not in a way that ever appealed to me and then the chicken squawking at the end of that oh yeah it's really playful oh my gosh I love that song it is so fucking hard to play guitar I don't know how else to describe it it sounds hard to play and it's about your favorite you know who it's about Bob Dylan. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes, it is about Bob Dylan. You're right. Because she was like, I just want him to like, talk about something with me. Like, why does he just like cut me off? Because I think she was in love with him. Allegedly. I don't know. Girl, with Joni's taste in men, probably. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to speak on Bob. He probably has some domestic allegation, like domestic abuse. Like, I don't know. All those classic rock artists do. So I never want to be like, oh my God, I love him so much. You can't just say that. You can't just be like, they all probably have a domestic. <laughs> I wouldn't. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised. Should I look that up? I'll look it up really quick for you. I know he did have allegations about it earlier last year, but then it was, I think it got disproved because he was in UK and at that exact date in the 60s. So it could have never happened. Mm, but Yeah, you're right. It was dropped. Yeah. Ooh, well, that just saved Bob Dylan's legacy. He just got so lucky. <laughs> that's true. We just Joni- single-handedly cured his name. Oh, that's so true. It was Joni Voodoo. Uh, <laughs> so true. Um, but yeah, I love Morning Morgantown. I think it's beautiful. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to say about it. Though. So for free now, I know you probably want to have a lot to say about this one. Oh, oh my God, you guys. I, I, so I, Obviously, I've said this like 300 times. I promise this is the last episode I'm going to talk about it. But this song I first heard on Lana's album, Chemtrails. And um, I didn't know it was a cover at first. And so then I found out it was a cover and I was like, oh, I want to hear what the original is. And I have to tell you that like the first time I heard the original, I was just like, it was so entrancing to me. I think that this is the, this is the most beautiful, like, oh my God, I love this song so much. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I think it's really cute and I think it's the sentiment of it is also a really this is like forecasting her dis- disillusionment yeah because yeah. this is where she's finally for real starting to see like oh um 
I'm getting paid all this money, but other people are getting paid nothing or no one will watch this guy, but people will pay like hundreds of dollars to come and see me just because yeah. like I have albums out with this like I'm kind of Yeah, I, I I said that too. Like I think that this song parallels her sudden fame and success and she's like kind of paralleling it to this man who has no fame or success you know he's just kind of out on the corner playing a clarinet for free and I, I love that so do I and I also think this this song or this realization is really where it allows Joni to to experiment with music because I think she stops caring about I think this is the album where she finally stops caring about like charting or possibly even getting a hit at all because after this, she experiments so much and she doesn't really care about being on radio or not. And I think it took something like an experience like that for her to just, I don't know. Well, even that. Blue, which is not, I think we listen to Blue now and don't think it's that experimental, but it was it was experimental for that time. Um, I was going to say, she does have like this, like this album, but Blue, I don't think any of those songs really became hits until later. But um, I would say her last album with hits would be Court and Spark, probably. Oh, yeah. Court and Just Spark. like Help Me, I think, is her first song to go on like the top 10. I think yeah, it was and I think it's her only. Yeah. And then I think I France, I, in France, they kiss on Main Street, Keeks, number 60 something. But other than that, I don't think she ever charts a song like that. That song got lucky. It got lucky that it peaked that high. I love that song, but like... It I was so surprised it didn't get more. But I get, then again, I remember the reviews Hissing Got when it came out, as if I was alive at the time. No, I just <laughs> reviews Hissing Got when it was first released, and it was panned. I mean, from what I've seen, people really liked it at first, but then when Rolling Stone and a few other publications started, like, trashing it, everyone started saying how bad it was. I, I love Hissing. I think that that's just, like journalistic bullshit like they were just coming up with things because they just hate women i don't know if bob dylan wrote hissing of summer lawns they would have like it would have been yeah like he would have been like considered like the most influential songwriter of like the last i don't know it's so it's It's sad it's sad it is sad but you know what it's starting i think that her recognition is starting to happen Oh, oh yeah, Joni's definitely. I wish it was. I wish more female artists would get recognized. But at least now, I think it's it's starting to finally happen. Cause look at Taylor Swift. I mean, she's been so famous for the past twenty years. And how often does something like that happen? I mean, Beyonce, Madonna, doesn't usually last that as long as theirs do. I mean, for men, it does. Nothing lasts for long. Nope. Like what oh, Joni song is that from? Chinese Cafe. That's right. Not me being a fake fan. You're so fake. Oh my god. <laughs> Nothing lasts for long. I love that song. Um, yes. So I love this. I love this song. Um, and what I will say is, so in the '80s, she came up with a tag, because I guess it's probably because she didn't want to sing the high notes that it has. But so she came up with a tag um, in her '80s versions where she sings the the words. So like she'll like finish like the verse like. Um, he was playing real good for free. And then she adds on to it, playing like a fallen angel, playing like a rising star, playing for a hat full of nothing by the honking of the cars, which is such a like very interesting kind of like, it changes my feeling about the song in a good way, but like it just changes its meaning. I don't know. Yeah, those few lines add a, like, add a lot to the entire meaning of the song. Yeah. Oh, I wish she would do that more. I- 
I feel like she could add so much to her songs if she like was to to reperform a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, she did with the catalog, but she didn't really change the lyrics. Um, she I, we'll get to a later one, a later lyric change that she does that I think is really funny. We'll talk about it though. I'll save it for that song. <laughs> I think you'll <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> I've never really listened to many for free performances. Does she always keep the clarinet outro? Like, did, does she always keep it? Wait, live? Yeah. Um, not in like her seventies ones, but in her eighties ones, she. I think that there's usually because her eighties ones, she like had a band. Because in the seventies, in the early seventies, when she was playing this, it was just her still. Yeah, she, she wasn't until she had the LA Express. That no. The backing. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Actually, I was listening to this um, performance. She did, um, like, it was some Rose. What was it? It was like the, the Rose Bowl? No. It was like something at Berkeley in California. Um, it was like a jazz fest. And then it was in like 1978. So, right before the year before Mingus came out. And it was like her. Um, Herbie Hancock and I think Jocko and they were playing songs from Mingus before they were released and they were playing like kind of like I don't know very interesting versions of it it was so cool it was so cool to hear like it was oh my god it was so cool are those on YouTube yeah I have to check them out I like yeah like the wolf that lives at Lindsay she performs but like it's the day after she got the wolf sounds. And so like there's wolf sounds playing in the back and she's like riffing off of them and making her own like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Ugh. It's so cool. I, I miss when, when artists would do that. I mean, I don't know how many did it in the 70s and 80s, but I there's so many performances before Blue, like Ladies of the Canyon era and even like with Clouds and Song to a Seagull. But before the album comes out, she's performing like most of those songs before they're officially released. She's, I think she does that her whole career. She was singing uh, Night Ride Home on her Chalkmark promotion. Yeah, tour. Jericho's on Miles of Isles. Yeah. yeah, so. And most artists don't, I feel like don't do that. They like hold it or they just don't have it yet. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. She has a big catalog. <laughs> she was also so involved with her writing and everything, like every part of her career. So she didn't have someone over her telling her she couldn't do that. Yeah. Did you ever hear about her um, book that got stolen during the Rolling Thunder tour? No, I didn't. She was writing a book? She had like a book where she was writing all the songs for, um, I think it was a lot of songs for Hissing, but it might have been songs also that were going to go on Don Juan's too. And um, the book got stolen. And so she only, she like lost like most of the songs she had written from it. I think the only one she was able to recover was like Dreamland was one of them um i would cry i'm trying to think of what the other ones were but oh she said gosh. she lost a lot of them just like how lana got her laptop yes! oh my gosh history repeating itself two mothers well, you know <laughs> two mothers you know they're bound to have some they should like call each other about that be like oh girl i oh, joni's like oh i remember when that happened to me it was tragic <laughs> is it both with their ha- whatever at number album two because what number album is lana on her nine oh right very close. I think it's her ninth. There are similar points in their career. They are. Did you see someone called, did you know, um, I'll just call it Tunnel, the new album, Lana album. They were trying to say that it was Lana's Don Juan's. Really? And I was like, how on earth are those albums anywhere hey, similar? you compared to the Silky Veils of Ardor. I compared American Horror to it, but that's the only song that I think is similar. Maybe they listened to the leaks. Did you? 
I don't listen to leaks. I'm a I'm a real fan. Ooh, ooh, you heard it here first. <laughs> Had Lana Stan. I am. I am. I'm a stan of a few people. Okay, it's a lot. It's a hard. It's a full time job. It is a full time job. Okay. Um. Do you have anything else to say about for free? I don't. Okay. Let's move on to conversation, which is a song I have not much to say about. I don't have much to say about this either, but the first thing I wrote down is this is the You Belong With Me blueprint. This had to walk so Taylor Swift and all those other kiss and tell girlies could run. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily care too much about any um, any lyric in this song. I mean, I like the one where she says she removes him like a ring to wash her hands. Mm -hmm. and she only brings him out to show her friends. Yeah. I think that's, like, that's kind of a cute line, I guess. It's supposedly, yeah. supposedly in, um, I think... Someone named Howard Kalen, his autobiography, he wrote that Joni wrote this about someone named Mark Woolman, who was supposedly in a really unhappy marriage. And I guess she was like. She needs to mind her own business and stop writing. She's being a homewrecker. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> like when she was writing, like, you know, his thing of summer lawns, like how that's about like an unhappy marriage. Like she like needs to leave people alone. Oh my gosh. Yes. I do remember that. That's the, oh my God. Yes. The film director. I forget I his name. Don't, I don't remember his wife. Was his wife's name Yvette? No. I don't think that's so. a song. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. That in English? Miscalculation. Um, yeah, this song to me is like fine. I do think what I will say though is I think that it has a really good tag on the end, the like jazz, like brass, like like when it like kind of breaks out into like the brass instruments and like she's like kind of like jamming out I like that part but besides that like it's just sort of like a love triangle I don't know meh yeah and I've never been crazy about the apples and cheeses line and we're just like yeah I could do without that <laughs> if someone brought me apples and cheeses I'm not going to talk to them ever again unless I'm starving no I that was very odd it was very odd like apples and cheese maybe that's a real thing that happened and so that's why she said it I don't know maybe it's a 70s thing do any of our 70s listeners know? <laughs> you were please. in the 70s. Please let us know. Yeah, but other than that, I really don't much to have. I don't have much to say about the song. Wow. No. I just jumbled my words there. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's not a bad song. I like it more than a lot of the songs on clouds. So, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't dislike the song at all. I just think it's not as interesting as the other things on this. No. But the next song which is the title track. I love this song. Yeah, I love it too, to an extent. Um, I like how it sets up a lot of things in her career. Again, I feel like we, we keep talking about how a lot of these songs foreshadow her future. This one definitely does. Um, Wait, in what way? What way do you think this is foreshadowing? <clears throat> oh, the character studies, definitely. Oh, okay. and, like There's like a little bit of vocal layering too, which she does a lot on fourth for the roses court and spark like all those albums after uh i'm trying to think about what else it reminds me of Cecil tobelane actually for some reason like a more in-depth look at, at people living in her neighborhood mm, okay i see that i see that yeah they're very similar kind of kind of and they're very they're both like plucked plucked guitar well ladies of the canyon is kind of plucked this is an easy song to play on guitar actually it's a very easy song is it? it is maybe you can learn it you'll <gasps> The shade. It's in, <laughs> it's in um, it's in coyote tuning, as I call it. Is is the coyotes coyotes tuning the hardest? Oh, um, it's not good on your guitar because the last string is 
um, tuned up above standard, which is bad for your guitar. So I don't put it in that a lot, but it's pretty to play on. A lot of her famous songs are on that, like Coyote, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter, um, Ladies of the Canyon, um, just like this train. Oh my God, that's such a fun song to play. Oh, I like. I love that song. I need a live performance of it. I I can't find a single one. Do you have any of just like this train? Yeah. Girl, wait, of her singing it, girl. You just gotta look it up. It's everywhere. Is it? I never find good quality ones though. Oh, maybe that's. Just look up Joni Mitchell. Just like this train. She does it like a lot in the her later career. She was doing it. Oh, so I know, much. but I want a nineteen seventies version. That's why I want the. Oh, that's what oh. I mean. Yeah, the ni- like a nineteen seventies one. I'm so sad she did not put that on Miles of Isles. I want that whole Court and Spark album live to tear maybe me apart. The archives might have it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. We're waiting. Or is it? I feel like this song is also really idealistic. Oh yeah, it goes back to that utopia. I said it paints a picture of of Laurel Canyon as Eden. Oh, that's 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 a good analogy. I was gonna say this reminded me of Midsummer. <laughs> I don't know. It felt so cult like. Very different. Very different vibes. But yes. <gasps> you think so? You don't think it rem- it's like reminiscent of Midsummer? No, though? I'm saying like our oh. it was like like our analogies. Like you went to Midsummer and I was like Garden of Eden. That's I don't know. Well, because I think I was thinking Eden because of Woodstock. Oh yeah, because doesn't she mention the Garden of Eden? Yeah, we yeah. gotta get back to the garden. Stop! I don't I don't want to get emotional. Don't don't mention that line yet. <laughs> Are you gonna cry when we start talking about Woodstock? I might. There's a possibility. Um, but yeah, this I song. Sorry, what? Sorry, I might cry when we talk about the circle game. Oh my gosh, don't cry, no. <laughs> um, no. This song mentions some some girls. We got Trina, we got Annie, we got Estrella. So we got some like girls doing different things. Um, and it's just like a really kind of fun place with harmony. Like the world is very happy and hippie, hippie yuppie, as she says. Um, I like at the end when she goes like, she's like, come out for a visit to be a lady of the canyon she's almost like inviting you to like join her she's like join us in our utopic vibe and you know have you ever seen the alternate um norman effing rockwell cover which one because there's so many Um, there's like three it's the ones where like lana's like in like a little canyon with all of her friends and oh meditating oh yeah the the urban outfitters one the pink vinyl that's inspired by the song i'm pretty sure oh yeah oh definitely oh yeah um no, it's a beautiful song. It is really beautiful. Um, what else was I gonna say about it? It's so image based too, like the imagery in it. I can see like the entire story unfolding in my head. Joni is like one of the greatest picture painters with her songs. Like I can see when she gives the word. I mean, even the music sometimes paints a picture. Like, mm-hmm. like um, the intro to um, Hygiera. Hi- I say Hygiera. Do you- and you say Hygiera? And Hegira? I never know which one's right. So I just. <laughs> I hear people say Hegira, Hegira, Hegira. Okay, it's not Hegira. I know that's not true. No, yeah. Hegira. I don't know. I, I think that the. Is it Jira? I thought so. Hegira. Maybe it's that. But um, the <laughs> intro of that song when it's like dun, 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 dun. I think that like that music to me, like I can, it feels like a car racing down a like windy road. Like, like, I don't know. Oh, like, yeah. Her music just creates yeah. this, like, picture. I don't know. 
it, yeah, it creates its own universe, which is yeah. something most artists can't do. I don't think any artist has really done that for me, actually. Lana does. I growing up, I was yeah, I was gonna say Lana's music used to entrance me. Like it used, I don't know what happened. It doesn't do it as much anymore. But oh my gosh, she had me under a spell. It was that Tumblr girl vibe. It was that Tumblr girl vibe. Tumblr girls turned into Joni Mitchell girls. <gasps> Is that what's gonna happen to our generation? I don't. Well, that's happened to both of us because I was like a like a Tumblry, and now that's I'm. And now, oh my gosh, <laughs> what's happening? We're getting old. <laughs> no, I'm not old. I'm only 21. I'm not old. I'm torn, but I am not young. Oh, and nothing can be done. Please. Ugh, I love that song. I can't wait to review Night Ride Home. I was looking at how many weeks it's going to take to get there. <laughs> I forgot how many albums this bitch has. Like, we're in... We're- we're not even going to be doing Don Juan's Reckless Daughter when we're at school, I think. Like, we're doing Don Juan's Reckless Daughter the day I move out. Oh, will it be during the summer? It'll be May, but yeah, we won't get to that, to that, to like June, I think. Oh, that's exciting. Because that means that like, I'm going to be like in like a summery mood, which that album is very summertime for me. It is, right? Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's going to be mm-hmm. so fun. I love that. Okay, um, do you want to move on to Willie? I do. This, this is one of my favorite Joni songs ever. This is such... I can't. I'm gonna literally don't cry. Come. Don't cry. When I, when I first started talking to my boyfriend, I would listen to the song like day and night, and I wouldn't stop. It's just such a cute song, and it's oh, like, that makes me sad. Why? Because I'm single. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's apparently about Graham Nash, though. So Allegedly. Allegedly. Um. Oh. You know, have you seen her dedication on the Dick Cavett show? Oh, this is a song for the moon and a song for my man. Yeah, it's yes. oh my gosh, stop. I love when she does that. Mm, <laughs> I, it's oh, it's such a beautiful song. I think that this song she sang, like, oh my god, like I think she's like, Doom might come to this relationship, but I love him so much that it doesn't even matter. Like I can name five, it's almost like she's singing a million reasons. Was Lady Gaga inspired by this song? Was she? Maybe. Think I about mean- it though. She might have. I think, I know Lady Gaga likes a lot of those older musicians. So I wouldn't be shocked. Like she loves Bowie. She loves Prince and they both love Joni. So I think David she- Bowie is in that Jesus movie I'm watching. Is he? He plays Pontius Pilate. Girl. I don't oh know. God. I don't know why. It's just, it, it was the 80s. I don't know. I guess he was trying to get an acting career going. It didn't work too well, I guess. Did not. RIP. Um, <laughs> um, I love the piano on this song gorgeous gorgeous piano playing you took the words out of my mouth my note here was i love the piano yeah so good i think this is is this this is a love song like this is definitely a love song in my opinion I oh mean, yeah she's like convincing him to like not think about all the fear that comes with going into a relationship or something mm-hmm. but i just think it's just like Morning in Morgantown, it's so endearing. And I love the piano. I love how, I think, aren't all the songs basically after this on piano besides like the circle game and Big Yellow Taxi? Mm. I don't remember if the arra- arrangement in the priest are. The songs. priest is not on piano. The priest is guitar. Yeah, but oh my God, I love the piano. I just love everything about this. And I love all the lyrics. Oh yeah. There's more reasons why I love him. He's he- looking through the lace at the face on the conquered moon. Like he's contemplating, girl. He contemplating. I love he he, the car on a hill. Uh, <laughs> so much contemplation. I love when she says, 
He'd love to live with me, but for an ancient injury that has not healed. Like that's, who thinks of that? Like, it's so like, oh, it's so it's great. good. How does she think that? Wait, why is it kind of giving see you sometime, but she's talking about herself and she's like, I'm not ready to change my name again. I feel like that's giving what she's saying about Graham here. About getting I, don't into remember that. Like, I don't remember she, that song very well. Oh, you'll remember it in two weeks from now. Oh my God, that's so soon. I'm so excited for For the Roses. Oh my God. <laughs> we love her. We love For the Roses. I One thing about this song that is a little weird is when she says, he's my child and my father. I don't know what that means. Okay, at first I thought it was weird, but the more I think about it, it's, I think she's trying to say like she's going to, like he's both these roles in her life. Like he's a child. He's someone that she needs to take care of and that needs to, you know, be kind of, coddled a little bit i don't know okay. like but and he's also like a father because he's protective of her like he's oh. like like stuff like that oh that's sweet oh, this is such yeah. a sweet song this is like it a is valentine's great. day song uh, to yeah. valentine's day is in for another 11 months okay well <laughs> missed the mark on that one but okay <laughs> no i i i love i love willie i think it's great um i yeah. feel like it matches the album cover so well i don't know why but the album cover is giving Willie. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If I look at it right now, mm-hmm, I see it. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. No, I'm being serious. It literally <laughs> is. Like, I, I don't know how, like, like I, 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 like, see it for some reason. I love the back half of this album so much. Oh, my oh God. yes. I love everything about this album. This album is, like, cocaine. Do you have anything more to say about <laughs> Willie? It is cocaine. What? It is like cocaine. Yeah. Um, no, I don't have anything else to talk about, Willie. Okay. The arrangement. What do you think about this song? Um, I like this song. I don't think it's like the most interesting. Like, it's kind of just like, I feel like it's just her kind of like ranting a little bit. Yeah. What's she ranting about, though? Is she ranting about like suburban life or like people having dreams or something and then not doing all they can like they're not fulfilling their full, full potential i think she sees it as like the wife is happy in this complacent arrangement that they have but Joni's like but i see you the husband as someone who's unhappy with this and she's like how long oh. can you keep these wheels turning how long can you keep this charade of a marriage turning oh that's why she's so happy to be part of the arrangement not him. yeah the wife is pleased like she's so pleased to be a part of it i don't know that's what i get out of it no, I think that makes more sense than what I was thinking. I think the opening line too, you could have been more than a name on the door on the 33rd floor. Yeah, that's cool. I love her vocal work when she's like, and I know it gets hard. And then she builds and she's like, keeping the wheels turning. Like, I love Oh, yes. Yeah, stop. That's cool. Um, I don't know. It's just like a very kind of like simple, but pretty song. So is this is this seeds of hissing? This song? Yeah, about an unhappy marriage. Yeah, I guess she needs she needs to stay out of married people's business. She does. The quote Nene Leaks. <laughs> Wait, Nene Leaks said that. You need to stay out of married people's business. Yes. Oh my God, Azalea Banks stay in a child's place. Oh, <laughs> I can't. Um. But yeah, um, I don't really have anything else to say about this, though. Neither do I. So okay. On to Night House. It was a rainy night. I love this song. 
So do I. Another piano girly. Mm-hmm. Written love. about Leonard Cohen, allegedly. Allegedly. I... I... Is it a hot take if I say this is my least favorite? No, I think Conversation I like a little less. I like this song, but the one thing, okay, I like this song a lot and I like the sentiments of it, but the one part I don't really care for is just the repetition of everything. It's Yeah, it's very repetitive and it's kind of, yeah, it is a little repetitive, but I love this song. I've always loved this song for some reason. I do like some of the lyrics. Like when she says you are a refugee from a wealthy family girl. Yes. Call him out. <laughs> Call him the fuck out. Oh um, my God. Was it her that was like going on this tirade about Leonard Cohen and how he wasn't actually like poor? Like he had this image of himself. I don't know if it was her or not. I don't Someone think that was, was talking about No, I don't think that was but her. I get chills I every time she sings the, like the, I am from the Sunday school. And then, and then all really? of a sudden, I sing soprano from the upstairs choir. And then there's this like, oh, like this like choir in the back. I think that that is like, it gives me like chills. I can't explain it. There's like a musical build to it that I love. I do, I do love the choir part. Like when she literally says, "I sing soprano," then there's a whole choir in the back of her singing soprano. The singing soprano on top of herself. <laughs> she literally just makes a choir herself. She's like, "I am the choir." I love her vocal layering. We don't talk about this. I mean, we've talked about it on every episode now, but <laughs> just in terms of people reviewing music, I don't think I've ever seen someone talk about Joni's vocal layering and how well she does it. Okay. And the only person that has done it as well as her, not as good, but arguably com- comparably enough is Bjork. Bjork does really good vocal work. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like I think of like Hidden Place, I think has oh, really cool. Yeah vocal layering um hunter i love hunter can we talk about hunter? like i love the song hunter <laughs> it makes I me want to like go out and like kill someone i don't know yeah that's one of my favorite favorite work songs yeah because she's like annoying. oh sorry what are you saying i was gonna say like i feel like she's like determined she's like i'm the hunter like i am the like master now like she kind of like takes charge yes. i don't know I love the like little electronic beats in the background of that song oh. too. Oh my yeah. god! And I got so offended because what was when was it? It was like a year ago. These gays on Twitter were talking about the worst song on Homogenic, and everyone was saying Hunter, and I got so upset because that's probably my favorite song on that album. That's that's probably my favorite song in the album too. What the, what is wrong with people? People have it's, horrible it's taste. Twitter, it's the Twitter gays trying to be different. Yeah, you're not special because you don't like Hunter. Nor are you special because you don't like <laughs> Vespertine. Can people stop exactly. acting like not liking Vespertine as like a personality? We oh, I don't know. care. I hate when people make disliking a certain album or a certain artist their entire personality. Girl, we do not give a fuck. Who has that time? Uh, people with Taylor Swift on Joni Twitter. Leave her alone. Stop. Oh my gosh, that got me so annoyed. First of all, Joni didn't even... Joni did not even go in as hard as she could have. She no. literally didn't even say anything that mean. She just said that she's a girl with high cheekbones. She's never listened to any of her music. And she didn't say her vocals are bad. She said if she's going to sing my song, she better have good vocals. She wasn't saying that a girl can't sing. She's never heard her music. Stop taking shit out of context. Well, leave Joni alone. I'm going to have my well, Britney. Have you ever seen that video? Leave Joni yes, alone. Leave Joni alone. <laughs> Joni Mitchell sitting at home like. <laughs> <She's> like <laughs> you know how she does that laugh? Like, oh you know, yes it's like I don't, she doesn't like make a lot of like actual speaking anymore so she'll just be like huh 
yeah it's just a breath of air now it's not the whole like her old laugh I miss it so much like she would be interviewing someone and she'd be talking circles around them and she'd start making jokes and they wouldn't get it and she'd just be like laughing up and <laughs> See, literally, I can't. She, modern day Joni literally kills me. Like, it makes me, I laugh at, like, some of the stuff she says. I don't know. It just makes me giggle. Um, but, yeah, Rainy Nighthouse, uh, really interesting. Kind of, there's some interesting lyrics about, you know, religion and him. and Because I, I think she sees, there's something about Leonard Cohen and religion that she constantly is always relating the two to each other. So, I don't know what Leonard Cohen has to do with, like, religion. Is he, like, a cult leader or something? I don't know. I think Leonard, I don't, I'm not an avid listener of his, but I believe that he has a lot of religious, religious imagery in his songs. Oh, maybe that's why. I mean, the next song is also very religious. Mm. The priest. We, we can go to the priest. the priest. Yeah. When you said that, that point in, um, Rainy Nighthouse, like, gave you chills. The first line and, like, the guitar playing and her vocals, that gives me chills. Like, that first line, like, the priest set. Oh, my God. Uh, the melody everything about it supposedly it's about a conversation she had with the priest in an airport maybe yeah about psychology. i don't know if they actually had a conversation or if they like looked each other in the eye and she just saw some kind of kinship with him i love that line then he took his contradictions out and he splashed them on my brow oh my gosh that is so his um should i unpack that line i don't know Do just what i just what I'm thinking is like splash them on the brow. Is that supposed to be a reference to holy water and talking about how there, there's so many contradictions within the church and within Christianity that he's splashing that on her brow and he's talking. And I think that, well, she does a lot of like metaphors because she says like father's tie. She's like, he was wearing his father's tie. And like, that was like referencing like the priest collar that they wear, I think like, and like father being like God. Yeah. Like she makes these like interesting, I don't know, I guess she's saying like, his eyes said me and my eyes said you. Like, I think that they were having this very intimate moment about like, like, I think she's like questioning, she's like, who are you? And I think he's questioning like, well, who are you? Like, they're like kind of having yeah. this like mirror to each other. I don't know. They are. I think that's why I love this song so much because they're both on such opposite sides of society. Yeah. Like one is a priest and one is, is a musician putting like all the sin in the world. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um. I love the little, uh, the, not the little, the tribal kind of drumming in the background. It's very, yeah. very light, but it's really cool. I love when Joni adds percussion to her music. Um, it makes it a lot more dynamic and stuff. Um, I don't know why she chose to do like a type of like a very like tribal percussion. I'm not sure if that was like, well, you know, I'll let you all unpack that on your own why she would do that, but it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. interesting. Is this the first song, she, the first song, the first song she uses percussion on? Oh. I don't think she uses it before this, and I know, she, I don't think she uses it again until oh. one in the bleachers on For the Roses. Is there not one in blue? There's not one in blue. Maybe, maybe the only one that I could see it possibly being on is this flight tonight. I don't think that has a drum on it. I don't think it does either. I think Blue is all just dulcimer, guitar, and piano. You're so right. This might be, yeah, because I don't think that Clouds had any other instruments besides guitar. No, and either, I, I mean, there was a banshee noise on Nathan Lafreniere. <laughs> other we than that, about that. Yeah. Um, interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize that, but yeah, I guess you're right. Wow. But um, yeah, that the priest very 
you know, interesting song. Yeah, another underrated Joni Mitchell song. Oh, that's oh, that's totally underrated. Yeah, I've never has she did she ever perform this at all in her later career? I, she, I, no, she completely forgot about this song. She loves this album though. I do she think does. she loves this album because she's always singing songs from it. Oh yeah, I think everything from here onward she really likes. Yeah, well, not the next one. I've never heard her sing the next one. Oh, Blue Boy. Oh, I thought you meant the albums. Oh no. Oh no. I was talking the songs. Oh yeah. No, I've never heard her sing the Blue Boy either, and I'm kind of glad for that. <gasps> this is my least favorite song. I forgot about this. Mm. I completely forgot this was a song until I just looked, or you just mentioned it. I don't really know what it's about. Um, I don't. I don't get it. I'm getting that he's a player from it because she's talking a lot about like how he died and left her but obviously i don't think it's about death i don't think it's that literal i think she's talking about a girl or something that has a boyfriend and she likes him so much but he's just so absent all the time and he's just like playing her because she says doesn't she say that he's always coming after midnight and stuff yeah yeah i guess that that's what it's about i think well can we talk about how she says late at night he would give his seed to her <laughs> Why is that romantic? I'm that joking. is not romantic. That is like so sexual. Wow, I would have never picked that up either until you just said it. Wait, really? Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's just because this album is so innocent, and I never picked like, like when Joni gets a little later in her career, she gets a little more raunchier. Like the lyric on Coyote, where she's like, he's he picks up my scent on his fingers. Like, that's a dirty line. Yeah, that's a dirty line, girl. But I wouldn't expect it from this album. She was so innocent here. She was like, I don't think she meant it in a dirty way. I'm just saying, like, give his seed to her is obviously like a reference to like they had sex. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought it was about too. But I just didn't think she would mention it in her music. I thought she was very much like Taylor Swift at first, where she was like America's sweetheart. Obviously, not to that extent. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess she does get more overtly sexual later oh when she in song for sharon when she's like all i really want to do right now is find another lover like yeah oh my god or off night backstreet which is about being a friend with benefits basically yeah silky bills of art or two it's about hooking up with guys and how they leave you the next morning and never stay stop let's stop i can't wait to talk about that let's not even go there i don't need (laughs) to get emotional talk about a joni song that never mind not even gonna go there we'll wait for it Yeah, let's talk. Let's go back to the Blue Boy, a song just as good. I'm joking. I'm joking. I was gonna say, what are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, what does she mean? Like a pilgrim, she traveled to place her flowers before his granite grace. Like, like I don't get why she's doing all that. It sounds like a funeral song. It sounds like it's supposed to be about death. I thought it was too, but then those last few lines. I don't know if I want to look them up right now, but there's like those <laughs> two lines at the ending and it made me think like, oh, this can't, this can't be about death because it sounds like she has a choice here. Let me I look it up really quick. I don't know. I, I have a very, I don't know. I can't. Oh, it's I'm this. For sure. What line? Oh, sorry. Where she's like, um, he looked the same, bring her boots of leather and she will dance for him. Charlie from whatever, she'll glance at him. Here he comes after midnight to find her again. He will come a few more times till he finds a lady statue standing in a door in her door. I think it's basically saying that they're both like stat- like he's a statue because she can't read his emotions. She can't see anything through him at all. Like he's solid, he's unbreakable kind of. Maybe I they're think- both ghosts to each other. 
Yeah, I think that's what I interpreted from the song, but maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too far deep into it. No, maybe they're like both. They both like they're both kind of dead in this relationship, and like they both know that like it's kind of like they're both kind of ghost. I don't know. They're like passing kind of ships. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Also, can we talk about the end or like the parts where she's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, the the vocals. Yeah, very odd. It kind of turns me off in the song, honestly. Well, I mean, I don't want to know what, never mind, not even going to go there. <laughs> I was going to mention something about Joni and her problematicness, but I will leave that for the listeners to think about on their own. <laughs> well, that's that's for after the show. That's that. for after the show. That's for yeah. the after show. That's for your research, guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, after show, we always do debriefings and we're like, oh, like last episode, we were like, oh my God, that was, that was challenging. <laughs> I'm like, that was a workout. That was a workout. Oh my God. I'm glad I never have to talk about clouds again. Yay. Sorry, Joni. Yes. Um, okay, so should now we move into the big three? The big yellow taxi, yes. The big no, yellow the, like the big three, like. I know, I just wanted to make a pun out of big yellow taxi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it sounded better in my head. Because these next three songs, I would say, are probably her most popular. Oh, pretty much her most popular songs. Yeah, especially at this point. I mean, until Blue and Court and Spark and a lot of those albums got their reassessment, this was like the essential Joni Mitchell, these three. Yeah, because River wasn't that popular until more recently. A lot. Yeah, a lot of Blue wasn't actually. A lot of, same with Court and Spark, same with all those albums. Yeah. Well, those songs aren't even popular. And I'm so pissed because like, Oh, really? I feel like a lot of people know about Coyote, but that's it. Maybe Coyote, Coyote. Amelia. Maybe Coyote Amelia. Yeah, but I don't know. Most people, if you were like, oh, do you like Refuge of the Roads? People would be like, which is so sad because that's a great, that's, I think that might be her best closer outside of Judgment of the Moon and Stars. No, Silkyville's Order. Oh, I like I said, it's so hard to rank her openers and her her closers, her opening tracks and her outros. They're her worst so closer is probably Shadows and Light. Oh, I thought I was the only one that thought that for a really long time. I don't hate it, but... It's just not my favorite, and I think it's underwhelming, especially compared to how strong everything else on Hissing is. What's the closer to Night Ride Home? Oh, Two Gray Rooms, which is about a gay couple. This guy. Do you? Oh my god, it's about... We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of our other closers. Um, I love... I love Love from wild things i like that song um i don't know what it is from chalk mark at all it's I um, love- oh, a sorry. bird that whistles i love tiger bones i know it's all guitar and whatever but wait did i ever send you me playing that no oh i'll have to i'll i'll put my guitar in that tuning sometime and play it i'll send it to you i'm obsessed with tiger bones <laughs> it's a really it's beautiful to hear the song i'm trying to see I'm going to go look at what Doggy Dog's closer. Oh, Lucky Girl. Oh, that kind of is a bad closer. Lucky Girl? Why does it sound like a Cindy Lauper song? I'm a lucky girl. I'm a lucky girl. Do you know that song? Like, do you have any recollection of that song? <laughs> I know you hate that album, but. I've listened to it maybe four times in full, so I don't have much recollection. Oh. I do like Good Friends. I really like Good Friends. I have to come and see me. I, I don't hate the Three Great Stimulants either, or Ethiopia. Well, see, but I have seen people say that Ethiopia is very problematic. It is problematic. Yeah, it is. Just like Lakota. 
Yeah, just like an album, just like Don Juan's. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, oh, do you know what another one of her really good closers is? What? Um, Sire of Sorrow. Yeah. I can't remember closer. if it was the Sire of Sorrow or Eva that closes Terminal. No, it's Sire of Sorrow. Sorrow. That's a great closer. That is. Does Big Yellow Taxi close Shine? No. 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 I think if I had a heart or something or this place or something like that close to Shine, I couldn't even tell you. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I haven't listened to that album in a long time. Um, oh, I was about to think of another album. Wait, what am I forgetting? What was Court and Sparks' closer? Oh, Twisted. Oh, I love that song. Okay. I hated Twisted at first, but now I really love it. I love Twisted. Well, I like jazz music, I think. So I think that I that's like, Yeah. I, I like jazz music more because of Joni. Can we just talk about something? Her and... Did you listen to the archives? She's talking about how double-decker buses how there's, how there's how there's never any driver on the top and she it doesn't make sense to her yeah i'm always just so dumbfounded when she says that well but that's not her no 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 like in an archive when she's introducing one of the songs to uh uh about london maybe she was talking about being in london and she was saying i went on those double-decker buses and i got scared because there's no driver on the top for some reason. But that's a lyric in the original 50s version. Then Twisted? The Twisted is a cover. No, no, I know. I'm talking about in one of her, like, her intros to a song. Like, like but why would she say that? Because that song is like, literally already been written. I don't understand. Oh, no, she wasn't talking about Twisted. She was introducing one of her songs before. Like, you know how she used to do those tunings and tune her guitar and then do like a little anagram before and tell yeah. people. Yeah, oh, but she wasn't introducing Twisted. She was introducing- No, 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 no. Oh. It, was, it was like a song about London or something. And I was just, when she said that, I was dumbfounded. Cause girl, why does there need to be a driver on the top too? She wasn't thinking. <laughs> <laughs> she was not thinking much. Um. Okay, let's talk about such a fun song, such a such a Joni Bop, a Joni Jam, some would say, um, which is <laughs> Big Yellow Taxi. Just a side note, I took literature and the environment as a class here last semester, and the amount of times discussion board posts and essays I referenced this song is insane. Like, every <laughs> time I could reference it, I would. Your teacher's like, stop referencing Big Yellow Taxi. I know, and he never even commented on it, but he commented when I made a Kate Bush reference, so I see where he stands. I think I know where he stands. Uh, I think I know where he stands. I love the song. It is a amazing environmental anthem. Like, and it's crazy to me that Joan, I mean, I believe Joni when she says this, that people, when she first released this song, thought she was like being dramatic because I think it's so, I think it's so, I don't know. Every time I see a parking lot next to a really pretty area, I literally think of this song because it makes me like pissed. Like, I hate like turning everything yeah. into suburbia or a city. I don't know. Whenever I see a construction site, <laughs> I think of this song. Yeah. Um, do you know what it's about? Like where, where she wrote it? Where did she write it? I don't know. She wrote it on, she went on a trip to Hawaii. That's right. And looked out her window and she saw these beautiful green mountains in the background, sprawling, gorgeous green mountains. And then she looked down and there was a big like parking lot, a giant parking lot right next to this beautiful mountain. She was like, holy shit. Like, why is there... Like, why is there this beautiful Hawaiian landscape and then just a parking lot? And I think that that inspired all of it. 
I forget. I literally just listened to an interview where she talked about that. Yeah. I feel so dumb. Oh, don't feel dumb. No, well, she did remake this song in 2007. She did a little remix. I like this version better. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I love how playful this is. I mean, it's serious, but it's also playful, especially at the end. I, I, I know. I like that she decides to, like, takes a serious topic like climate change and make it into... I don't know, like a fun, not fun, but like a, a, it's it's less depressing than like her later environmental stuff. Oh yeah, that's again like we were talking about earlier. This is one of Joni's most playful songs, and it's like yeah. it's kind of sad that all of her uh, later albums kind of lose that that playfulness. And I don't know, I really liked how it kind of reflects passion play and some of those later songs she does about the environment. But yeah, is I don't passion know passion play about the environment. Yeah, it's about the oil and oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. Exxon spilled oil. That's why she says an Exxon blue radiation rose. She com- she's comparing climate change to like biblical stuff, like the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Oh my god! Yeah, right. Isn't that crazy? This is where we I need the soundboard. We need the soundboard. <laughs> oh my god! Like the one. Okay, I know you don't like Nikki, but have you ever watched Queen Radio? Heard, where she yeah. has those like yes. Oh my god. <laughs> we need that because that was a mind blowing realization. Oh my god, I she love that. She built her career off sympathy and payola. Boom, 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 boom. Um, I love. Oh, so I remember I was gonna say. Remember earlier when I was talking about one of her rewrites. Yeah. So one of the big rewrites for this song that she does later in, in the later version is she changes a dollar and a half. She changes it to an arm and a leg yeah. because she says like, I think her reasoning, she was like, now it's even more expensive. Like it's not just a dollar and a half. Now it costs you like an arm and a leg, which is so like, okay, grandma. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, when she does it live, I watched her do it live at um, Newport she makes this no one's gonna no one can see me but she does this move where she like she's like an arm and she grabs her forearm and then she goes and a leg and she like she like lifts up her leg a little bit and I'm like the choreo is insane she's putting Beyonce out of business <laughs> choreographed by Bob Fosse <laughs> Joni Mitchell is performing live tonight <laughs> I love it I love it um Bob Dylan wrote a verse for the song that she sometimes sang which is surprising. Um, yeah, I don't remember exactly how it went though. I think it was like a big yellow tractor pushed around my land. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. When you know, which she sings like Bob Dylan when she does it, she's like, "Late last night, I heard that screen door slam." Please, I feel like okay, don't cancel me for this, but I you're feel like canceled. I feel like I need Bob Dylan to do more verses on Joni Mitchell songs so people can realize how she eats him up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> like, write more verses for her songs so she can show everyone that she's a better writer. We're really hating on him today. We are. It's so sad because I have, like, three of his albums on vinyl, and I really like them. Which ones? Blood on the Tracks, Blonde on Blonde, and Highway 61 Revisited. I really okay. like them. I've only heard his famous... What's his famous one? Like, real- oh, his famous one? He has, like, a famous album, I feel like. I think it might be Blood on the Tracks. The one Maybe where that's what I'm thinking of. The one with that song about the Rolling Stone. Oh, I think that's Highway 61. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, um, Janet Jackson did a remix of Big Yellow Taxi. 
really good remix do you like janet i I like that song oh my gosh i love that remix too it's um, i think it kind of even improves upon the original i mean i love the song but i wouldn't say it's better but i think i think it does so much to improve upon it too it's fun i like that she used it like i think it's fun um can we talk about how like the word the lyric like you don't know what you've got till it's gone like that's literally so like like like, it's just like it's a simple saying but it's so true that like you just like don't realize how good things are until it like i feel like it's gotten so cliche now like that line but even now listening to it i'm like okay it's cute like it's true yeah validity to it yeah i love like sorry what oh yeah yeah because you're just even with nature you're always like wow i wish this was here i wish i was closer to this and then yeah, I won't get into it. I have so much environmental stuff to say, but I don't. This is Journey of Jane podcast. I love the um final high note where she's like, Hey, paradise, put up a parking lot. <laughs> like, oh, I yes. love that part. And then she laughs. She does that like Joni laugh. I love it. That was funny. At first, I hated I hated when she did that. I don't know why. I hated a lot of the times when she was playful in her music. I was like, girl, this is serious. Like, you're a serious artist. I was so pretentious when I was 18. But now I I love it. And I think it adds so much to the song. I like that you said you were pretentious when you were 18. That's hilarious. Weren't we all? I've been pretentious since birth. That's true. Like, my parents have always called me pretentious. People still call me pretentious. I just don't accept that label. I think it's because I'm a Joni Mitchell fan. It probably is. It just At least you're her most pretentious fan. Yeah, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Big Yellow Taxi. We love that song. Um, do you want to move on to Woodstock? A song that defined a generation. You just took the words out of my mouth. I was like, <laughs> this is so much better than the Crosby, Stills, Nash version. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's just, let's be honest. Our Crosby, Stills, and Nash fans, my mom included. I don't know if she's listening. <laughs> if she is. Like, No. We we like this version. Do you know what got me so upset? Is I have this vinyl at home, and sometimes I listen to it, and my dad will hear it. So I remember we were in the room together, and he was just doing whatever, and he heard it too. And afterwards, he was like, "He's like, that's a really good song." Like I didn't even know that she was the one that wrote that. And then he said, "But the one thing I don't like is all those all that moaning she's doing on it." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. I guess I can see that." But guys, I love I. Oh my god, I can't really put into description i feel like th- so much has already been said about this song by other people you know it's it's like hard to add kind of like you know there's so much in it that's you know beautiful and talking about the generation of woodstock and i mean it's crazy she wrote it and wasn't even there i like what is the one interviewer he was like how did you capture the essence of an entire um yeah. an entire generation not even being at that event like it's it's so it's a great I love this song it doesn't make sense how she did that it doesn't but and it was so sad how she talks about how she wrote the song she was like sitting in a hotel she was gonna be on the Dick Cabot show the next night yeah there was no way she could get there and back and then Crosby Stills and Nash literally appear as she's out there and you could literally see the look on her face yes see her entire face drop and you're and like she talks about that moment too and like wow she was really like she was pissed the fuck off there. She was like, I'm going to fucking fire my manager. Why didn't he not get me that plane ticket? But, but so- honestly, it was a good decision because without that, she, we wouldn't have gotten this song. And this is like essential Joni Mitchell. 
And I don't know if Joni Mitchell would have been great at Woodstock. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they would have liked her. Well, with the Isle of Wight, and I was going to mention that. Did you ever see the Isle of Wight? You must yes. have, right? Where they, oh, yeah. the crowd is insane. I think she could have done the same thing at Woodstock, possibly, because she just has such a presence to an extent. To an extent. Yeah. I don't think she has like the most commanding stage presence, but I think she could get people to really sit there and listen to her. She has something where her and big audiences don't get along very well. Like I think about the Amnesty concert when the drink gets thrown on her. Oh yeah. That's so sad. Oh, that's that footage is like so depressing to watch. Cause she literally, and then after the song though, she does one of her like funny Joni moments. She's like, Hey, don't throw the bombs up here. She's like, stop throwing your shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much. Stop. No, I love it. So um, bad. How come men were not treated like this? It feels like. Because women are always mistreated. Didn't someone like faint on stage or try to charge the stage when she was at the Isle of Wight festival? Oh no, a man came on stage and like he was like, repent now. He was acting oh, like yeah, he was yeah, like yeah. Charles Manson or something. <laughs> That's so funny. She's like, You're acting like a bunch of tourists. <laughs> <laughs> She's like crying in that footage though. In the Isle of Wight footage, she is like she soft. is. Well, actually, oh my god, wait. The Isle of Wight footage though is um or the outfit is literally the part of our cover. Yes. Wait, why? Do you know when she's saying, like, when she's telling the crowd, crowd to calm down, she's, like, kind of crying. Why is that giving Dorothy from, like, The Wizard of Oz when she's, like, wish, wish, whoever she's playing, she's, like, why don't you stop it? Why don't you knock it off? I was, like, uh, she was a having Joni, a Wizard of Oz moment. Literally, a Joni-Judy interaction. I love, oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz is my favorite movie of all time. But me too. I don't, I can't, I can't get into it right now. I have too many thoughts. Um. One thing that is really funny about this song is when she performs this, like in the early 70s, she's always telling the crowd to like join in. She's like, okay, here's the chorus. And she'll sing the chorus. And she's like, and so when I go there, like everyone join in. And literally at every single time I've watched it, no I don't one does. Think anyone has joined in because she does that so much. Like in every live, not every live performance, but on the archive albums when she's doing the live stuff and she's telling people to sing with her and they never do. <laughs> they just want to hear you. Like they don't want to sing along. They don't. I mean, I don't go to a concert. Just I wouldn't go to a joint concert to sing along necessarily. Like I want to go there to hear her. Well, I go to when I'm when I've gone to Gaga. I've seen her twice. I sing along because I feel like that's like sing along jump. That, up yeah, down. that is a sing along concert. But I don't even know if I. I don't know. You can have a mosh pit at a like Joni concert. Oh, Maybe you can. Never say never. There was one at a Tori Amos concert, so you never know. Just like <laughs> turn up. Yeah. Um. I told um I told Thomas today I said I got complete goosebumps and almost started crying when I listened to the um line um we gotta get back to the garden because like Joni Mitchell I have a freaking weird fascination with the Garden of Eden that I can't explain I have no explanation of why I've always had it I had it before liking Joni Mitchell like I just have this weird fascination with it and that line just like oh it's so Oh, there's so many nuances to it. There are. I think it's just so, uh, it's so beautiful, but it's also so sad at the same time. Yeah. If, it is why, sad. Why does it feel optimistic? It feels like slightly optimistic. Like she's like, oh, it's either going to go this way or this way, kind of. I think right. she's hopeful, but then there's an underlying like ominous feeling of like, maybe it's the time of man like maybe there's yeah. something going on like there's something deeper than we've ever experienced I don't know because I think at the time Woodstock and the hippie movement 
was seen as like a cultural revolution almost. I mean, I think it probably is like considered some sort of cultural revolution. Oh yeah, because I mean, that's so famous. Woodstock, you can name a bunch of music festivals, I guess, but the one that everyone knows is Woodstock, like 1969. Yeah. It did a lot for music and history and like hippie culture. It but did then a it lot died out. Hippie culture di- died out fast. Like we're, we're gonna see like, I think that like, this album, like, I think after this album, it dies out pretty much. It's like 1972, yeah, by yeah. 1972 or so. Deserved. But deserved, low-key, high-key. What do you think about hippies? Um, I don't know. I only know what Joni Mitchell thinks about hippies, where she's like, once the Regans, she calls them the Regans, once the Regans came into office, all the hippies oh. suddenly became businessmen. <laughs> oh my God, Ronald Reagan, she calls him Regan? Yeah, she said the Regans. It's her Canadian accent, I guess. It is, it is. Okay. Um, but yeah, I love Woodstock. Um, do you want to move on to the I'll, I'll let you take this one? <laughs> oh my god, the circle game. I love this song so much. It's of course everyone knows it's ri- written as a response to Sugar Mountain. Sugar Mountain, for people who don't know, it's a song by Neil Young where he's basically 19 turning 20, and he's basically so sad that he's entering adult adulthood and he doesn't want to and he's looking back at all the years of his childhood so fondly and looking so pessim like he's looking so negatively towards the future and she's basically saying hey like maybe life was good then but that doesn't mean just because you're an adult it's not going to be good now like you're going to have new memories you're going to have new things to look back on with nostalgia and life just keeps going on and we can't waste time being upset about it we just have to keep moving forward and moving forward and when I tell you when she when she says or sings so the years spin by and the boy is 20 though his dreams have lost some grandeur coming true there'll be new dreams maybe better dreams and plenty before the last revolving years through that gets me every single time like I just want to ball up girl I love that I love that lyric so much I this I think that the carousel of life is a beautiful analogy. It's a beautiful analogy of how we have up and downs, we, but we continue spinning. We continue going and we continue the circle that you know all of humanity has gone through. I don't know, it's such a, this is a beautiful closing, a very like wholesome, wholesome closing. It, it does. And I get why, honestly, I sometimes I get offended because I, I look at a lot of Joni Mitchell song rankings or essential Joni Mitchell songs, and it feels like the circle game, Big Yellow Taxi, Woodstock, like those three, I mean, both sides now, there's like 10 Joni Mitchell songs that are in everyone's top 20 for some reason. This is one of them that I don't get offended at, honestly, because I think I might even put this in my top 20 Joni songs. Just because it's so... To me, it's a little, it's a little too hippie, yuppie, yuppie. Um, really? But I love it. I love it. I think it's a good song. I just wouldn't listen to this like all the time, 24 seven. Um, isn't it kind of funny that Crosby, Stills, and Nash is like the background chorus in the song? It is. Like, but they didn't call it what is? Oh my god, I don't, I didn't write it down, but they called themselves something different. It was like they were called themselves like the Mountain Chorus or something. So like, really? Like, yeah, like so they didn't get named on it. Well, thank God they didn't get named on it. <laughs> Do well, not deserve that. <laughs> I was gonna ask, did you ever have to read Catcher in the Rye in high school? no okay well that book ends it's like a classic book in american literature and it basically ends with him being on a carousel and it's like the same analogy as a circle game about being on a carousel of time so and i really love that book so whenever i think of that 
like this song i think that's probably what she was inspired by yeah honestly i need to yeah catcher in the rye definitely came out before she loves like literary stuff she does oh i don't know i could see that i just love this song so much there's not there's i can't say anything that will do it justice completely unfortunately it's so (laughs) it's innocent it's sorrowful yet optimistic i love it i think it's beautiful i think it's a perfect close to this time period. I think that this song is in like a three. I think it connects song to a seagull clouds in this album. I think they're kind of in like a little group. And I think that this song ends this like innocence kind of hippie period. We're going to like throw it to the side. And now we're about to enter a period that's well, okay. What are the next three? What are the next three? Like blue? Blue, for the roses, and spark. Uh, I guess Court and Spark really isn't, but I'm trying to, th- like, we're about to enter a period that's raw, that's has realizations. Well, even Court and Spark has that. That is more, oh, yeah. They're, yeah, like, she's she's a lot more like, okay, you've seen this hippie side of me, now let's really look at me. Like, you you know, you have this idea of me, of this hippie goddess, why don't you look at who I actually am? I'm selfish, I'm sad, I, you know, all these things, I don't know. I just want to say we don't think of Court and Spark as this like very confessional album because I guess it's not as confessional. But I think the only reason we don't like consider it one of her singer-songwriter albums is just because they have the arrangements. Like the songwriting is just as good. And I think that it gets lost because people never talk about Down to You. Oh. That song lyrically tears me apart. <sighs> Trouble Child too. Like, oh my oh, God. I you love know? Down to You. I play that on piano all the time. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I like I I agree with you that these first three are in this like category together, but then it's hard for me because I want to put like Blue and For the Roses in it, but then I don't know like our Court and Spark and Hissing one, and then Hajira on its own or something. So I I try and like group those five together, and then I put like or I don't know. I put Hajira with Don Juan and Mingus and Mingus, yeah, together because those are the Jacko years too, and then Shadows and Light, yeah. Shadows of Light kind of ends out the eight the series period. Yeah. Yeah. That's her last album with Jacko too, isn't it? Because he's he not dies. on. Yeah, he dies. Aw. Sad. Poor guy. <laughs> I did not just stick my tongue out when you said that. I did not do that. You're quirky. <laughs> I was just being silly. Um so yeah, that was Ladies of the Canyon. Beautiful album. Very beautiful. What would you rate it? I hot take. And I don't do these a lot, but I'm going to give this album a 10 out of 10. I'm going to give this a 10 too. I think it's a beautiful album. I think we're about to see a lot of 10s. We are. We're about to see at least like five or six, maybe seven or eight in a row. Yeah. I'm I, so I, sorry. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Um, what are I might, give, Wait, uh, what? I might give Don Juan's Reckless Daughter a five out of 10 for obvious reasons, but the music is a 10. Okay. You separate the two. Okay, I do separate the two. Girl, All right, you I'm would give that a five out of ten. I would give that a one out of ten. Oh, for the cover art. Yeah. Oh, but I'm still including the music on the. Okay. Oh, okay. If we're just talking about the cover art, it's yeah, it's one out of. 10. It's ungradable. Ungradable. <laughs> she failed the assignment. Failed the assignment. What's your favorite song on Ladies of the Canyon? Ooh, that's hard. It's so hard because I want to say Morning in Morgantown. Mm-hmm. I want to say the priest. Oh, the priest is such an interesting pick for you. You know favorite. what? I'm gonna go with Willie. I'm gonna say Willie's my favorite, actually. That's pretty. My I have two. Mine are for free and Woodstock. I knew you were gonna say Woodstock. So basic. Oh my god. I need to 
get something more interesting. <laughs> no, those two are great. Those are essential Joan songs. My le- what's your least favorite? Oh, the Blue Boy. I think pretty easily. It's the one. It's the only one of them that I don't remember, like at all. And I just listened to it like two hours ago. <laughs> I listened to it all week. I think I'm taking. I think I'm gonna pick two again, and I think I'm gonna say Conversation and Blue Boy. Ooh, conversation makes sense. And honestly, when I say least favorite, I don't mean that they're bad songs because they're not. I just mean them like they're just not for me. Yeah. I mean, I I mean I like these songs to an extent. I don't think they're bad, but they're just not my favorite. Yeah, yeah. But this album is one of my favorites. I love it so much. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. It's gonna be really exciting next week though, because blue, we kind of start this new period which is going to be, I don't know, I think next episode is going to be really depressing. <laughs> it is going to be really depressing, isn't it? Because this is a very upbeat album, mostly. Yeah. I mean, be optimistic. Even the sad songs are a little hopeful. And Blue is- also has like a, Blue has a um a weight to it because of how famous it is that like, I feel like it's just going to be like a lot. It's going to be a lot oh. of tackling. Oh God, we really have to prepare for that. We Brace to- yourselves. Justice. We need to do these next five or six albums a lot of justice. Oh Up yeah. Something- yeah. I think we did this album justice. We did, we did. We really Allegedly. Did. Allegedly. <laughs> I thought it went well, but um, but yeah. Um, Do you have anything else you'd like to say about Ladies of the Canyon? No, I just think this is a really good album and I love that it's become so influential in society. Yeah. Because I think, I don't know. It's funny because we think about what's experimental today or not, but it might sound like corny, but what would music be like without an album like this? It's interesting because Joe is so introspective and this inspired a lot of the girlies. It really did. This album is way more influential than I think people ever will realize. It's beautiful, beautiful work. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I love Ladies of the King and I'm very excited to go to Blue. Me too. I also just want to add really quickly, I can't wait for Pitchfork to do one of those reviews again, like their Sunday reviews, and finally give ladies a 10. Because I know they're going to give that a 10 at some point. They'll, yeah, they'll get to it. I, I love that they did, Um, they gave Hygiera a 10. Yeah, so do I. So deserved. Oh, completely. Completely yeah. deserved. Completely. completely. Um, but yeah, guys, Um, thank you for listening. Another fabulous week. <laughs> Another fabulous uh, episode. Um, We will uh, see you on Blue. We will see you on Blue.